Thank you for listening to the podcast of Bible Baptist Church. Please visit our website at www.southbaybbc.org for more information. A description of a person that is used very seldom is a descriptive word called meekness. I'm not sure if anyone uses this word really to describe someone these days. Terms like, he is very meek. To be honest with you, I have not used, those, used that term a uh, very long time, and uh, I don't use it on a regular day basis. I think you will share the same testimony as I do. When's the last time you have maybe described somebody and saying she is very meek? I don't think we, in every area, that uh, uh, it's not a term that we use often. And I don't think we use it on a regular day basis, and the word in the English language is defined as quiet, gentle, and easily imposed on, and submissive. And that is the definition. And if you call somebody meek, I think that's what we're referring to. The person is quiet. The person is gentle. The person is easily imposed on, meaning easy to be entreated. And even submissive, is able to take orders, is able to uh, know authority in that person's life. And also in the Bible, there's a Greek definition that gives a good understanding of the word meekness. And I think we should use the word meekness often. It is, a, it is found in the English uh, uh, dictionary, but also in the Bible. And uh, in the Greek definition, it defines as a gentleness of spirit and mildness of disposition and submissiveness once again. And also in Hebrew definition, gives us a further understanding of poor, humble, and afflicted. So it's a very good word that gives a description of a someone who is humble in their disposition. Disposition meaning in how you handle relationship and how you react to relationship and uh, how you talk to somebody or how you in every way uh, uh, take on a matter of trials or maybe take on a matter of accusations or maybe some offense that you receive from another being. It's a very good word that describes somebody who is humble in their disposition. And uh, I think we need to often use this word to describe somebody if they have this attribute or characteristics. And I don't want to confuse with all the definition this morning, but the word we often use instead of, uh, 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 often use uh, is the word humble instead of meek. And I think we have a better understanding of that. So in simplicity, we need to ask ourselves, Am I humble today? Am I full of humility this morning? Someone might ask, what is so great about meekness or humility? And, uh, and, and someone might conclude, you're always defeated when you're humble. You don't get your way, and, uh, and you don't get the last word, and, and, uh, and, and you look like a loser, and, and you're always trampled over, and, and people take advantage of you, and, and you always lose. What is so good about meekness or humility? Now, to the arrogant and to the proud, that is the perception. But in the perception of God, it is a great price. It is a great price. In commanding the role of a woman in the home, the Bible says in 1 Peter 3, 4, but let it be in the hidden man of the heart, in that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of what? Great price. You know, the world might call it a waste. I know this uh, context is talking about 
uh, the role of a wife and role of, a, I guess, a woman in the home. But I believe the application could be drawn in, a, uh, 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 drawn in what we're talking about this morning. And when a person who is meek and quiet in spirit, the Bible says, in the sight of God, it is a great price. And I believe that could be applied for anybody. And you don't need to be a, a, a wife. You don't need to uh, be a, a woman in the home. No, I think it applies to single ladies. It could be applied to single men. It could be applied to me. And, and wherever you may be and whoever you are, God says, hey, if you have a meek and quiet spirit, in, in my sight, it is a great sacrifice. Now, what do you sacrifice, you might ask, when you're meek, when you're humble? I think the better question is, who do you sacrifice? It's not what you sacrifice, but who do you sacrifice? We sacrifice ourselves. That's what humble people do. They die to self. An arrogant and prideful person is not willing to die to self. That's why they're always arguing. That's why they're always having bad words coming out of their mouths. That's why they can't control their temper. That's why they shout at their spouse. Why? They're not willing to die to self. They're not willing to be a sacrifice. Did you know the Bible says as much as Jesus Christ was a sacrifice, he wants us to be a sacrifice? Romans chapter 12, verse 1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. A living sacrifice. We always perceive a sacrifice to be dead. We understand that. And uh, that's what the Bible is saying. You need to die to self as you're walking upon this earth. You need to be a living sacrifice. Husband, be a living sacrifice for your wife. And wives, uh, be a living sacrifice for your husband. Parents, be a living sacrifice for your children. Christian brothers and sisters, let us be living sacrifice for each other. Let us die to self. Let us be humble. And when God sees us, God says, it is a great price. I, I recognize the fact that you are going the second mile. You're not just like the world. You're being more like me. How we need to sacrifice ourselves to be meek, to be humble. We need to sacrifice our ego, our arrogance, our pride, our wit, our anger, our wrath, our selfishness, our threatening, our abusive words. And God knows that we value ourselves a lot. And for some, to be honest with you, it's truly overpriced. You value your life so much, you value yourself so much, your pride so much that you're not willing to sacrifice it and give it up as a uh, uh, give it up in, in in every way in certain situations. I heard about a robbery that play, that took place many decades ago during a time of inflation in a foreign country. The intruders broke into a well-known department store, but they decided not to steal anything. That's amazing. Instead, they replaced the high expensive merchandises with lower price tags. So the next day, the salesmen and sale ladies did not notice anything missing. And the store resumed with normality. However, throughout the whole day, the intruders revisited the store several times to purchase a high-priced items for a significant lower price. They had beaten the inflation. And as we think about that story, and I think we have truly overvalued ourselves, and I think it's about time that we beat the inflation. That sacrificed ourselves. 
Let's truly die to self. Let's, let's, let's truly uh, uh, give up our own agenda so that we may be meek and so that we may be humble. By the way, why are we so much more valuable than Jesus Christ was? Jesus Christ was willing to sacrifice himself. Jesus Christ did not think of himself. Jesus Christ was always willing to give to others, always willing to be humble and always willing to be meek. Christ is described in Matthew 21, verse 5, Tell ye the daughter of Zion, behold, thy king cometh unto thee. Notice the king. Thy king cometh unto thee, meek and sitting upon an ass, and a colt, the foal of an ass. You see, Jesus Christ is described here in the scripture that he was a king, but not only that, a king who was meek and who was humble. You see, Christ was full of humility and meekness, and he was and is worthy of millions and billion times more than we are, but he sacrificed himself. And, and when he was reviled, he reviled not, and when he was suffering, he threatened not, and there was no guile found in his now, if Jesus Christ was meek and humble, then it is more reasonable that we become more humble. So let's stop preserving ourselves, for Christ never preserves himself, but he gave himself, and he was willing to be spent and be spent for others. And I shared the scripture before, and, and uh, Apostle Paul said it very clear to the Corinthian church, and, and uh, I, I'm willing to be spent and be spent for you. The more abundantly I love you, the less I be loved. That's the finest description of a Christian who is truly humble, who is truly meek. And that person is willing to give up themselves and give up their lives and say, hey, I am at your disposal. Use me up. You might say bad things to me. You might be offensive to me, but I want to be more like Jesus Christ. I don't want to heat up the situation. I don't want to blow up the situation. I want restoration. I want reconciliation. I want to make sure that we have a final relationship rather than a grave one. And we need some Christians like that. Why did Jesus Christ say, forgive them for they know not what they do, as he was bleeding, as he was hanging on that cross, because he was willing to be spent for them. And he wanted to reach out to them. Jesus Christ didn't say, oh, you don't believe me? Forget you. No, he, kept, he keeps on reaching on. The love of Christ constrained us. Did you know this? You know, did you know that Jesus Christ's love is unconditional? And even though we disappoint him, even though we do wrong things toward him, and we don't even think about him, and, and we disobey his commandments, God still loves us. And we, stay, we stand in awe in that. We thank God for that, and thank God. Yeah, our Savior is willing to be more uh, uh, sacrificial in that way. And as much as that is so, ladies and gentlemen, as much as given, we must uh, make sure that we are good steward of the things that we have received, especially love and joy and, and grace. If we have received those things, then it is required that we be good stewards and that we give toward those same blessings that we have received toward others. And that's why humility is very important, because Jesus Christ was meek, Jesus Christ is humble, and he was reaching out to us, and we must do the same thing to those who have offended us and, and those we have ill relationship with. 
Jesus Christ never preserved himself, but gave himself over and over again. Now, let's not do God injustice that he doesn't recognize or care for our sacrifice. And, uh, you know, it is a great sacrifice when you're humble. And, uh, and, and because the Bible says in his sight it is a great price. And the Bible says in Hebrews 6.10, For God is un- not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love. You know, if you're willing to stand down, if you're willing to be humble and meek, hey, God notices those events. And God's going to bless you as a Christian. And God's going to bless you as his child. And, and uh, at the end, you will be the winner. Now, you're not seeking to win the situation for your own pride and, and your own arrogance, but I believe all my heart God is a righteous judge and he'll make all things work together for good. Do you believe that this morning? And we must just commit ourselves to him. And uh, uh, he will make everything right concerning relationship or different trials and different temptation, whatever it might be. Ladies and gentlemen, let us commit ourselves to him and let's just stay humble. Let's not go overboard. Let's not react in a hasty uh, uh, manner, but let us be uh, meek and, and be quiet and, and, and truly commit ourselves to our God who knows all things and who can do above all things. Ladies and gentlemen, meekness is his fruit. It's Jesus Christ's fruit. It's not our own. And, uh, and we cannot produce humility by our own power. And for someone to say, I have humility, guess what? He or she has pride. <laughs> That's how dangerous we are. That's how confused we are. Yeah. And ladies and gentlemen, meekness comes from the Holy Spirit. Pure meekness, that is. Pure humility. I talked about pure faith last week. You know, uh, I see some interviews sometimes, and I see some different channels sometimes, and, and uh, you know, uh, people talk about their charity a lot. They, people talk about what they have done for the community. And, uh, and there's nothing wrong with that. I think it needs to be known. But sometimes you kind of draw back and say, I wonder if he or she did it really for this situation, for this time, to be in the spotlight. And, and let's be honest, we are a prideful being. And, 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 and I am a prideful being. And I got to be very careful in how I display humility and meekness. And uh, we got to make sure that it is done by the Holy Spirit of God. And, and we must submit ourselves to him. I hope we recognize that we ourselves are the hindrance in bearing the fruit of the Spirit. The reason why we cannot bear love and joy and peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, and even meekness is because we are hindering it. It's not God's fault. We are hindering it. When we don't have meekness, we limit it. We limit the Holy Spirit due to pride and arrogance and self-preservation. And we need to get ourselves out of the way so that we may bear the fruit of meekness. And there are many times that, you know, uh, the flesh starts, you know, just itching. And you just want to say something and, and you just want to fight that situation. I remember when I was at Vons the other day and uh, I, talked to, I talked to you about the Rite Aid situation, right? It happened on the same night. And uh, it's just, you know, the flesh was fighting. And uh, I went to Rite Aid, and these two guys were selling chocolates. And, 
you know, they didn't look very, uh, you know, I mean, I, I, I'm not judging people by their outer appearance, but, you know, I, by their behavior at night, just felt like they weren't really serious about selling candy, and, and it looked like they were just there, and, and, uh, and their language was really foul, and I passed by, and, and this guy just looked at me and said, hey, look at that Jet Li guy over there, you know, and just, man, the flesh starts itching, right, and just want to say something, I just kind of walked away, and I went to Vons. Man, the devil fights at night, doesn't he? <laughs> and uh, that's why you stay home, you man. And don't go out at night. You stay home. And uh, I was trying to get ice cream for my kids. That's why I went out there. And then I get all these little heat here and there. And then I went to Vons and, uh, because Rite Aid was, you know, overpriced. I like Rite Aid ice cream. By the way, there's two things I like. I like church's chicken. And then secondly, I love, I love Rite Aid ice cream. And, uh, you know, uh, uh, you get that uh, cookies and cream one. That's the best. And uh, they have a deal sometimes, two for $6. And then you don't just buy two, you buy four, amen? And uh, that's what I did last time. And they lasted us for like maybe three months or so. So that's good. But anyways, uh, but it was overpriced. They didn't have a deal, so I went to Vons and got dryers. And, and I was disappointed I got dryers. But anyways, uh, um, but now I, I was going in the check, check, uh, uh, checkout line. And, uh, you know, you try to find the shortest one, right? How many do that? Raise your hand. How many try to find the longest one? No, right? Nobody. <laughs> you try to find the shortest one. And, uh, and I, I saw one lady just, you know, uh, checking out. So I was like, oh, this is a good one. And so I went in there. And then uh, the cashier register and the, and the, ca- the, the lady who was in the, uh, ca- uh, the cashier job and, then, and the lady who was standing in line, they both looked at me at the same time and said, we're closed. And I was like, oh, the light's not on. And then the lady who was standing in front of me, she did this. <laughs> so, what did I do wrong? I just didn't know. <laughs> so you, just, you know, your flesh starts itching. I'm like, I want to say something. And what's the, uh, you know, in the flesh, you're saying, what's the big deal? I just didn't know. And uh, I don't know, maybe she had a you know, rough day. Maybe she just, her flesh was itching too. And uh, she was just you know, staring me down, you know. And, uh, and by the way, did you know many people could go through a rough day? And sometimes they could bring it home. Sometimes as friends, they could bring it to you. You know, uh, I, I like this quote by George Truitt. He said, be good to everybody because everyone's having a hard time. I'm sorry, tough time. Be good to everybody because everyone's having a tough time. And... Uh, and as I was standing in line there, I just got out of there. I just stayed quiet. The Holy Spirit spoke to my heart about goodness and, and the fruit of the Spirit because I want to make sure I'm living what I'm preaching, amen? <laughs> but I'm just telling you, you know, flesh fights. Flesh will fight you today after the service. Flesh will fight you tonight. You argue over something with your spouse that, that's not worth arguing about. And, and ladies and gentlemen, let us make sure that we pray for meekness and pray for humility and that let's pray for a uh, 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 pure fruit uh, that the Holy Spirit could give. So this morning, let's learn about meekness so that we may pray and desire more, more for this fruit. I'd like to share with you three wonderful and desirable traits of meekness. And number one, for those who have never received Christ as your personal Savior, you're not sure about going to heaven, I'd like to encourage you that meekness seeks to be reborn. 
meekness seeks to be reborn. In Psalm 149, verse 4, the Bible says, For the Lord taketh pleasure in his people. He will beautify the meek with salvation. You know, Jesus Christ said to Nicodemus, a Pharisee, a person who was too good uh, 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 compared to everybody else, Jesus Christ said to him, he must be born again. A born again experience by the Holy Spirit only comes to a person who is humbling himself or herself. The gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ is not received by the proud and the arrogant, but by the meek and the humble. That's why many Pharisees, scribes, and Jews rejected Christ and even rejects Christ today because of pride. And Apostle Paul explains this in Romans chapter 10, verse 2. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge, but they be ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness and have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. You see, for the Jews... They said, hey, it is what I have done. It is what I am doing. It's not what Jesus Christ did. No, we don't need his righteousness. And uh, he was not a perfect man. And they still reject that even today. And they don't claim Jesus Christ as the Messiah. And uh, even today, they're trying to obey the law as much as they can. And they try to obey the Sabbath day. They try to obey all the different ordinances. And, uh, and, and, and they're trying to uh, work themselves to have eternal life. For the Jews, Jesus Christ became a stumbling block. They thought they were doing right. But when Jesus Christ told them otherwise, especially to Nicodemus, he must be born again. It's by the Holy Spirit of God. It's not your works, not flesh. It's by the Holy Spirit of God. Gospel preaches, not your righteousness, but Christ. They cannot submit themselves to Christ. That's what the Bible says in Romans chapter 10 there. They just couldn't be wrong. They just couldn't be that simple. They just couldn't be that short of the glory of God. They just couldn't be that wicked. And this is the same reason why sinners are rejecting the gospel of Jesus Christ. Not only the Jews, but even the Gentiles. They refuse to submit themselves. They refuse to kneel. They refuse to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. And our God cannot and will not save anyone from their sins and from the lake of fire when they refuse to submit themselves to the gospel. When they say that I am enough, Jesus Christ says, I cannot cleanse you from your sin. I cannot deliver you from the lake of fire. Why? Because you're not trusting in me. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. For God commended his love toward us, and that while we are sinners, Christ died for us. You see, Jesus Christ paid the ultimate price so that our sins could be cleansed away. I, my works do not cleanse my sins away. That's the view of the people that they have. Not that scenario, I'm sorry. But the scenario is this. Hey, if I just do much good works that will outweigh the bad, then I'll have eternal life. But let's think about the analogy in this earthly life today. I'm preaching today. I think this is a very good thing, isn't it? And I'm saying hi to you, and I'm smiling at you. And by the way, it's genuine, okay? I love you. <laughs> I'm not just faking it. And, 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 you know, uh, 
and, and I enjoy church, and I do all these good things, and, and then tomorrow, man, the flesh says, I want to go rob a bank. Let's do it. You know, I get my mask on and everything else, and, you know, uh, you know the pastor thief goes out on Monday. And then and, uh, I go rob a bank. And then the police officers catch, me, uh, catch up with me, and, and they put me in handcuffs. And then I, I say to this police officer, I say, sir, I did a very good thing yesterday. I went to church. I preached a good message on meekness and humility. And, uh, you know, I reached out to people. And I even ate donuts and coffee with people. And I, I did a lot of things. I did a good thing. And uh, wouldn't you just give me a, would you just give me a slack on this one? Would you just let me go? Because my good outweighs this bad thing right here. Would that work for the police officer? Yes or no? No. Why? Because I committed a crime. The crime is there. It doesn't matter how good you have done. You could, be a, you could be the best person in the world, but if you have one sin, okay, you have offended all the law. How many times does a, a thief need to steal to be a thief? One time. How many times does a murderer need to murder to be a murderer? One time. How many times does a sinner need to be a sinner? One time. One time. And it doesn't matter what kind of sin that you have done, big or little. You are a sinner by nature, my friend. You're born as sinners. This is a very simple analogy, but your parents never taught you how to lie. I've never taught Josiah. Josiah, this is how you deceive people. This is how you get away with it. I've never told Josiah. Josiah, this is how you scream. And then do a better job. You're not screaming enough. I never taught him how to be angry. Uh, funny story. Uh, Noah, you know, he's, in tra- he's, in tra- he's traveling with uh, my brother-in-law. The family is for deputation for planning a church in Riverside. And uh, um, uh, when Noah was here, I guess they were in the nursery together. And, and the, the kids were reenacting uh, lions, you know. They're like, rawr, rawr, rawr. And then everyone's doing it. And, doing it, and Noah kind of looks at it. And Noah's like, and Josiah's like next to him. And then Noah goes, stop, 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 stop. Josiah, show him how it's done. <laughs> and, then, and Josiah goes, rah! You know? And uh, Josiah, you know, my son has a very, you know, loud voice, okay? If you ever pass by the nursery, if you're a big voice, that's my son, okay? And uh, he gets it from me. So hopefully he could be a preacher one day too. But anyways, uh, uh, but I'm just simply saying, you know, I've never taught my child how to, how to lie, how to do bad things. We're born as sinners. Why do you think we have so many laws in this country? Thank God for our freedom, amen. And thank God for, you know, decent society that we're living in. Thank God we're not being attacked by the ISIS right now. And by the way, you pray for that area there. I know Catholics are being, you know, slaughtered and stuff like that. But, man, they're, they're still souls. They're people. And there might be some missionaries out there, too. You never know. Just got to pray that God would just bring this hostile situation and, uh, and, and bring it down to a, con- uh, and, 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 you know, bring it down to a uh, control situation. Pray that. But thank God for this freedom that we have. Thank God for all the police officers out there. And by the way, thank God for them because they're just, you know, thank God for the Gardena police. You know, to be honest with you, they do a very good job. And, uh, you know, I think every maybe uh, 
once in three weeks or something like that at Redondo Beach Boulevard, they always do a little checkpoint. I appreciate that. Okay. Now I don't feel any, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't feel any uh, guilt going through that because you know I'm not a drunk, you know, I don't drink. And uh, but thank God, you know, they're trying to keep people off the street who are drunk. And I thank God for police officers and 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 and, and all the law that's in this country. And, and the reason why we have all these laws because because of us. We're prone to, what, do bad things. Can you imagine not having traffic lights? Yeah? Can you imagine that? How crazy it will be? Thank God when I go to Danker, drop off my child. Thank God there is cones. Thank God there is somebody who is waving and saying, come here, stopping the car. Thank God someone's doing that. Because without that, can you imagine trying to drop off your child? How chaotic would that be? So that's just, you know, that just proves that the law is there so that we could be contained, okay? So we don't go out of control. And, and when we look at the law in the Bible, we think, oh, we have to keep these things so that we could be good, so that we could go to heaven. No, the law tells us that we're sinners. That's what the law says. The law doesn't tell us to keep these things and you could go to heaven. No, Jesus Christ is the end of the law. We need to trust him as our personal Savior. And then he will cleanse our sins, and then he will take us to go to heaven because he did the great work that's on the cross. Okay. No matter how much you have done concerning the law, you'll never get there. Our righteousness is filthy as rags. We talked about that last week. All the good things that we do is still not good enough compared to the holiness of God. That's why Jesus Christ had to come. He had to cleanse all our sins away. He had to start over. That's why your life is starting over as you receive Jesus. You are born again. That's why the Bible also says that the law is a schoolmaster. It teaches us to get to Jesus. That's why Timothy had learned the scripture when he was young by his mother. And then Apostle Paul says through the scripture, hey, after you learn then, you receive Jesus. And ladies and gentlemen, I don't know what you have learned in the past concerning the Bible and whoever taught you. And God is leading up to this moment. If you have never received Christ as your personal Savior, I want to encourage you. Hey, receive Jesus today. He did the good work on the cross and he shed his blood for you. And if you're the only sinner that was living in this world, he would have still done it. He loves you that much. He thought about you when he died on that cross. He thought about me. And the only way to receive Christ is through humility. Through humility. The Bible says in Psalm 22, verse 26, The meek shall eat and be satisfied. They shall praise the Lord that seek him. Your heart shall live forever. Psalm 37, verse 11, But the meek shall inherit the earth and shall delight themselves in abundance of peace. Matthew 5, 5, The blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Jesus Christ preaches in his hometown, Nazareth. He quotes the book of Isaiah. In Isaiah 61, the Bible says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord had anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. Not to the proud. Not to, not, not to the people who are prideful. No, to the meek. Yes, Jesus Christ came to preach to all. 
and, and he is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But, however, Jesus Christ also said in Matthew 7, verse 13 and 14, Enter ye at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way, and lead it to destruction. For many there be which go therein, because straight is the gate, and there is a way which lead it unto life, and few there be that find it. What does that mean? Let me give you a pictorial view. That's what Jesus Christ is saying. He's saying you're, many, of, many people are on the highway, which is on the right side of the picture. You're in the Broadway, okay? And you're entering into that gate that leads to destruction. Okay? You know, Christians are the minorities in this world, especially born-again Christians. Okay? And uh, uh, I say that because many people profess to be Christians, but they're not. They're not truly born again. And I'm not saying that in, in, to be critical. I'm, I'm saying that in compassion. I hope they receive Jesus. Because what if Jesus says one day, I never knew you, I never knew you, depart from me, ye that do iniquity. And they've been to church all their lives. And they end up going in a lake of fire, not just for a hundred years or a million years, but forever and ever. How sad is that? How sad is that? But anyways, people are going to this way. But Jesus says, what is the way that leads to everlasting? Narrow is the way. Small is the gate. And uh, I like what this artist did, is going to the cross. And over the cross is eternal life. And ladies and gentlemen, Jesus, Jesus Christ has been preached for the last 2,000 years. He's been talked about almost in every country. His gospel message has endured for the last 2,000 years. He had been prophesied in the Old Testament for 4,000 years. Before he came. Jesus Christ will never be stopped talking about. You know why? Because he is the way, the truth, and the life. And no man coming unto the Father but by me. He will always be talked about. Even in heaven, we'll see Jesus. A lamb that's been slain. And we'll glorify him and praise him forever and ever. And ladies and gentlemen, I wonder if you're on the Broadway this morning. I wonder if you are heading toward destruction to the lake of fire that burneth forever and ever and ever because you're not willing to submit yourself to Jesus Christ. You're not willing to submit yourself to what Jesus did. I mean, he didn't, he didn't conquer any nation. He, didn't, he wasn't a conqueror or a warrior. No, he was a, a son of a carpenter, and he lived for 33 and a half years, and he was humble and meek, and he died on that cross. And you might be thinking, why is that so significant? He died on that cross for your sin. That's why he's significant. And he reaches out to you so that you may find the narrow way. And you're hearing about the narrow way this morning. Thank God during the camp this past week that uh, Mary Ann, raise your hand, Mary Ann, she found the narrow way and she received Jesus as her Savior. God's people say, it's wonderful. And, and, and these gentlemen, let us recognize the fact that there are many souls out there not, not have found the narrow uh, found the narrow way, I'm sorry. They have not found the narrow way, and they need to find it. Which way are you in this morning? Oh, I want to encourage you to be humble. Because even in the last days, the Bible says that they will be prideful during the time of judgment. People will be scorched with fire during the day of tribulation. 
And the Bible says, and blaspheme the name of God, which had power over these plagues. And they repented not to give him glory. And it says, and blaspheme the God of heaven because of their pains and their sores and repented not of their deeds. And Revelation talks about how the rest of the men which were not killed by these uh, plagues yet repented not. In verse 21 in Revelation 9, it says, neither repented they of their murders, nor their sorceries, nor their fornication, nor of their thefts. And I mean, the whole world is uh, uh, being turned upside down and, and all these destructions are happening. Guess what? Sinners are doing. Guess what rejectors of Jesus are doing? They're fornicating. They're murdering people. They're still into sorceries and, and they're stealing from others. And they shake their fist at, uh, uh, at God and, and they blaspheme the name of Jesus Christ. See the pride of men, even at the last hour of destruction, they'll hate Jesus. I wonder if you'd be in that same category today. I wonder if you're still prideful and not receiving Jesus. I want to encourage you to be humble, be meek, receive Jesus today. He wants you. He wants you. He doesn't want you to go to the lake of fire. He wants you to be with him in heaven. He wants that. Secondly, meekness seeks his righteous judgment. Let's go to the application for Christians today. Zephaniah 2.3, Seek ye the Lord, all ye meek of the earth, which have wrought his judgment. Seek righteousness, seek meekness. It may be ye shall be hid in the day of the Lord's anger. You know, meek Christians do not retaliate. Why? Because Christ did not retaliate. 1 Peter 2, Who did no sin, neither was God found in his mouth. Who, when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judged righteously. What did Jesus Christ do? What example did he leave? He committed himself to the one that judged righteously. What did Jesus Christ say on the Garden of Gethsemane as he was praying concerning what he was about to do to the road of the cross? He says, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. He committed himself to God the Father. And ladies and gentlemen, when we have our own way, we do it the wrong way, and we reap the wrong outcome. Our, believer, our beloved Savior was meek, and Peter, the one who was zealous with no trace of meekness, and, and he was the one who got the sword out. He was the one that sliced up uh, uh, the servant's ear uh, at that Garden of Gethsemane as Jesus Christ was being arrested, and he was the one who was a meek at that uh, ring of fire, and, uh, and he cursed, and, and he denied the Lord not only once, but twice, and also even three times. He wasn't meek at all. But he writes in 1 Peter 2, verse 21, for even unto here we are called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that each should follow his steps. That each should follow his steps. What steps? We just said, read it a moment ago. He was vile, he reviled not. When he suffered, he threatened not. Those are the steps that Peter says that we need to take. You know how Jesus, you know how Peter died? You know how he was murdered? And by the way, he had to accept that. Jesus Christ said, hey, you be a martyr for me. That's what it says in John 21. Someone had, uh, 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 you have girded yourself all this time, but someone else will gird you. And, and the Bible says it's identifying his death. And Peter had to let everything go at the 
at the last hour of his life, he didn't get a sword out. He didn't encourage him to deny Jesus. He was meek and humble. He followed the steps of Jesus. But he said, I'm not worthy to die like Jesus. I'm not worthy to die on the cross like Jesus. So the Romans put him backwards. He hung upside down on that cross, meek and humble. He said, I'm not worthy to die like Jesus. I think his life was emulating Jesus more than ever before his, before his death. And I wonder if there are some Christians today who are who is fighting this. God says, do this way. Be meek. Be humble. Don't, 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 don't retaliate. Don't threaten people. Uh, don't, don't get so angry. Don't have wrath. Don't have vengeance. No, no, no. But you just want to have your way. And when you do that, my friend, I guarantee you, you'll reap the things that you weren't expecting. You know, Romans chapter 12, verse 18, the Bible says, if it be possible, as much as life in you, live peaceably with all men. Oh, brother Jimmy, you know, it's not possible. Forget it. The Bible says, if be possible, forget it. It's not going to work. But the Bible also says, Jesus says, all things are, po- all things are possible to him that believeth. Maybe it's your faith. And the Bible says in verse 19 through 21, Dear beloved, avenge not yourself, but rather give place unto wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will save, saith the Lord. Therefore, if that enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink, for in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. Evil with good. Now, he that winneth soul is wise. And ladies and gentlemen, our job is not to retaliate and to revenge somebody. No. If someone is doing wrong, guess what? God is going to have to take care of them. You know, sometimes, you know, people have offended me, and I pray, I pray for that person, and I say, dear God, how should I react? What should I do? And many times, Jesus has told me during prayer, he said, not in an audible voice, but giving me peace, he said, leave it to me. I'll take care of it. No, not in an Italian mob way, okay? <laughs> all right? <laughs> I'm not saying that, all right? <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, I'm, saying, I'm saying, Jesus, just let me know. I'm working on it. Okay? Just leave, it, leave him to me. I'm working on it. And then... After that, it just gives me peace. I don't have to do anything. I just have peace in my heart, knowing God will take care of everything, and he will make all things work together for good. And ladies and gentlemen, you need to do that sometimes, and we all need to do that together. If you're going to have a healthy relationship in marriage or parent and children, uh, vice versa, wherever it might be, we all need to have meekness, and we need to make sure that we seek for Righteous judgment. And we will do it the wrong way. Jesus will always do it the right way. Trust Jesus. Trust Jesus. Number three. Meekness seeks restoration. Galatians 6, 1. Brethren, if man be overtaken in a fall, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering that so, lest that be also tempted. You know, meekness does not seek to cast away people, but restoration. 
Example, Moses is a great one. You know, Numbers chapter 12, Miriam and Aaron spake again Moses because of the Ethiopian woman whom he had married, for he had married an Ethiopian woman. And uh, they were against, I guess, interracial marriage. And, uh, and, and of course, God, God enters in. In verse 2, and they said, Had the Lord indeed spoken only by Moses, had he not spoken also by us? And the Lord heard it. By the way, you've got to be careful what you say because the Lord hears everything. And now the man Moses very meek above all men which were upon the face of the earth. That's a testimony from God. So the Lord speaks, of, speaks to them, and our God opposes Miriam and, our, and Aaron for Moses. And verse 9 it reads, And Aaron looked upon Miriam, and behold, she was leprous. And guess what Moses does? He says, I told you so, man. We're going to have to cast you out of the tent. I mean, cast you out of this, uh, 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 this tabernacle and, and uh, you know, cast you out from the tribes here. That's not what Moses did. You know what Moses did? Let me read to you verse 13. I think it's on the screen as well. And Moses cried unto the Lord and saying, Hear, hear her now, O God, I beseech thee. Hear her now, O God, I beseech thee. Miriam was a sister of Moses. Miriam went against Moses. But Moses said, Dear God, heal her. He sought restoration for Miriam. You know, some Christians today are no better than the world. They wish the worst for those who are against them. You know, some Christians are so discouraged by the sins of the world, too, that they are filled with hatred and judgment. But ladies and gentlemen, as much as the world is filled with sin, there's still a fountain filled with blood dropped from Emmanuel's veins. Let's not think about the corruption of the world so much that we stop thinking about the gospel of the Lord Jesus. And let us make sure that we say positive, not positive thinking, but positive faith. And knowing that God uh, will bring restoration and, uh, to uh, a certain people who will receive Jesus and also bring restoration to any relationships that are ill. And, and God could do great things still. And let's not backslide in thinking negatively about some situation that we're going through. Let us think positive. Let us have faith. Hey, God can still change your husband's life, and God can still change your wife's life, and God can still change your children's life, and, and pray for restoration in all those ill relationships and all those different trials that you might have. Have faith in God, my friend. I believe all my heart that many Christians are not uh, uh, seeking restoration because of their pride because of their own understanding, and not because of faith only, but because of their arrogance of how they want to uh, 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 bring about the right solution in their own manner. But ladies and men, let us make sure we trust the Lord. Let us stay meek, and let us try to reach out to uh, people as much as possible so that we may see restoration. You're the problem. I'm the problem that's hindering restoration. It's not God. It's not the Bible. It's not even the opponent or the people who have offended us. It's us. We're not seeking restoration as we should. I want to encourage you. Let's, let, let's live simply with meekness and knowingness. Let's live simply so that others may simply live. And I'm done. Let's read this verse together in Matthew 11, verse 29. We read it in the beginning. Let's read it together. Ready? Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lonely in heart. And he shall find rest unto your soul. You know why you're troubled? Because you're not meek. You know why you always have people problems? You're not meek. You're not humble. 
You're trying to always rise above others. Stop that. Stop that. Jesus was meek and lonely in heart. The King of kings and the Lord of lords was born in a stable. In a family of carpenter's son. Raised in Nazareth. And, and uh, 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 Daniel said, can anything good come out of Nazareth? And Jesus walked up on earth, not having a home. Jesus, who was the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He didn't rise above everybody else. No, he became us. He became us. He was lowly and meek in heart. And by the way, he understands you. And he's reaching out to you. So you may also be meek. Jesus Christ, in every way, is a perfection of, of the beauty of meekness. Let us follow his beauty of meekness today. Let us make sure we humble in ourselves. Let us make sure we are submissive. Let us make sure we're gentle.